Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? My therapist this morning had to ask me to stop talking about the Black Plague. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, maybe this has nothing to do with what we were talking about last week. You kind of wanted to talk about some issues with your parents. And I was right. like, good on you, dear Katie. You don't know what happens when the miasma, it spreads. Dead men go in the water. Oh, my. <laughs> Nine men don't come out. Well, that's horrifying. Tendrils <laughs> of the Reaper. And she's like, I'm still charging for this. I, and she I was should, like, I'm running material. She should charge you double. <laughs> Spootum. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus. And once again, the recently, um, I guess, divorced from his therapist, Henry Zabrowski. She can't quit me. Can you? She can. She actually legally very much can quit you. Ah, she's addicted to the heat. <laughs> I don't know about any of that. All right. Today's episode, this is going to be the beginning of a fantastic series. We got four parts coming your way. And it is all about the black Death. Yes. It sounds like super metal, but it also sounded like it was a horrible time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> That's what was so metal about it. Ben, I got to ask you, are we going to be continuing the Wisconsin tradition here? Are you going to be referring to it as the the plague? The Black Plague? Of course. Yeah. I'm going to say plague. I'm going to say vag. I'm going to say bagel. And I don't care because I am from Wisconsin and that's what we do. And come at me. You come at me. Yeah, you attack him physically. Um, but yeah. we are going to be saying plague. Um, we're also up front. We're going to say we're not saying bubonic. It's difficult no. in our mouths. No. Uh, we're no, not, not gonna, teachers. I'll say I'll say bubo, but I will not okay. say bubonic. Bubos. I will say bu- bubonic plague, but I will say I won't say bubo. Bubonic, bubonic. We'll say bubo. Bubonic sounds like a pubic hair that's gone rogue. And uh, bo- what was it? Bobo? Bubo. 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 He sounds like one of the brothers from Nothing But Trouble. Yeah. Like little Debo's brother, the little devil brothers that no one talks about. Nice lady. Oh, Bubo. He just throws up a fucking stream of blood. Oh, thank you, Bubo. I don't want to get everybody used to it right now because you're going to be experiencing a lot of shit. Yeah. In this episode Liquid and in this shit. series. I mean actual shit. Yeah, Feces, yeah. 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 It's a lot. 
This is great. <laughs> put on put on your swimming cap, folks. <laughs> the Black Death, aka the Great Mortality, aka the Big Death, was a medieval pandemic that killed over a third of Europe in the 14th century. Described by some as the worst century in history to be alive. I was up. <laughs> All night with plague nightmares. Oh. That is true. I definitely had a dream that I was an NPC in Skyrim walking <laughs> through a village while people are going. Because ah! yeah. I have never experienced a prep for uh, last podcast and left that had more people screaming, just openly screaming for yeah. years ever since Robert Irvine's nudes were leaked. Oh, my god. You ever seen the guy from Restaurant Impossible? Yes, I have. Restaurant Very Possible. Possible. What a guy. We're using the Foster scale that quantifiably measures death, physical damage, and emotional suffering. The only event in human history that was more catastrophic than the Black Death was World War II, making the Black Death the second worst thing to ever happen to humanity. And that's ahead of World War I, which itself killed 20 million people. Woo! Now, Marcus, tell us why you're excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it because this is history. I've been waiting for for this yes. fucking episode for years. I will have been wanting to do the Black Death ever since I read The Great Mortality, which we'll talk about later. It's fucking, it's such a fantastic book. But man, I'm so excited about this. This is some fucking deep, dark, insane human history. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just so happy. Millions and millions of people died a horrible death so we could do this podcast it's in content. 2021. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. They're so happy. Hey man, it changed the world. We'll get into the ways that it changed, oh, yeah. actually changed the world for the better. Oh. Lest ye want to still be a surf, my friend. No, but we'll I don't. get to that later on. I really, really don't. If you listen to certain authors that we've read this week, they talk about how this time period, while it only lasted, quote unquote, three years, the main chunk of it, if you were to zoom back into this little window, like if you went on to, into a, any random Tuesday in 1347, it would be the single worst thing you have ever seen in your life. What if they revere you as a god? They don't. Uh, they don't no. because they'd hang you because God did this to them. What? That's what I also will say. What's fun about the bubonic plague? It's all God's fault. Oh my. And it's been God's fault to them. They considered it God's fault, but they were like, thanks God. And they're like, step on me, God. I mean, if you're God, that's a hell of a reality show. Just watching yeah. everyone's shiver and die. <laughs> this is a great season, People God. People burying their children in shallow graves, and the gear can't go up high enough, so the dogs are going in and pulling their fucking noses off, and they have to beat <laughs> off the dogs. They have to beat all the dogs that are also plague-stricken, so all the dogs are covered in sores going, <laughs> they're throwing up blood, you're throwing up blood, burying your family. What a straight, but what an odd time to find romance. Yeah. yeah. And you have to imagine it had to happen. Somebody fell in love during this time period. It was kind of romantic maybe <laughs> well besides just people the black death killed almost everything on legs infecting dogs cats birds camels rabbits lions and almost 200 more species with an infection that's almost but not quite as bad as ebola well and we don't know exactly how many people died in the Black Death because the worst plague years occurred over 700 years ago. But the widely accepted figure for European mortality was 33% of the population. One third of the wow. entire continent was gone. Yeah. Ooh, all right, guys, you got to choose. Who's it going to be? <clears throat> Who's dying here? Oh, yeah, it's people <laughs> don't use the turn signals. Oh, yeah? Number right. one. I'm going to say it, I've lost three. Oh, out of us three. Henry, you got to go. 
<laughs> what? I'm sorry. I have to go. Yeah, I'm because sorry. Marcus and I were technically you're yes, technically you were the last one to join the podcast. Yes, yeah. I know it was episode two, but last technically, in, sorry, last, last in, in first, first out. out. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm gonna have to say all three of us are gonna have to die. God damn it! That's how uh, it is. I think it's we gotta all go together. All right. All right. Fine. 9-11 rules. We'll jump together. <laughs> <laughs> but that means that between the time that the plague arrived in Sicily in 1347 and the time that it roared into Moscow in 1352, Europe had lost 25 million of its oh. 75 million inhabitants. But 33% is just the overall continental figure. Some cities lost 60% of their population and entire villages throughout rural Europe were wiped off the map completely, which makes counting the total losses that much more difficult. And also, the diseases, and we'll talk about this because what's really fun about the Black Death is that it's all theoretical, baby. All what of do this you mean? shit. When every single, uh, I every single like idea of where the plague came from and mm. how it spread and exactly what happened, it's all just the the piling up of various journal entries. Uh, wills that were made, uh, various inventory records, like historians talking about it, but from the perspective of terrified people running from the plague. So we still don't know the origins of this Black Death. We, we, we do. do it. Okay. We, we got, do. We've got a we got a pretty good idea, and like recent science has actually helped us to understand stuff about the plague a lot better, specifically about the genetics and which places did actually have the plague and which places didn't have the plague. Uh, mm. So we, that's the funny thing. That's the amazing thing is that we're actually like right now is like a fountain of new plague knowledge in yeah, the last new, like <laughs> new knowledge. Is, the plague, yeah. I'm actually getting some information here. Oh, uh, we have Alex Jones with us. Uh, yeah, I was made in the lab. Yeah, it was, made, it, was, it was basically made in the lab. Thank you, in the Alex. Last, in the last 10 years, like, we've learned more about the plague than we had in the last 200. Oh, wow. Uh, it's fucking okay. crazy. But those numbers that I just talked about, that's just in Europe. The plague actually started in Inner Asia. But because of how many wars were going on in Asia during the 14th century, particularly in China, it's hard to give an exact number of plague deaths. What we do know is that from 1200 to 1393... Half of China died. Oh, my gosh. Dropping their population from 123 million to 65 million. You know, to be honest, though, this would be the heyday for uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. Because of all the pus, <laughs> all this would be a, no. if you're into popping like no, full, no, bro, no, bro, because that's the only way you got the bubonic version of the plague was by popping those pimples. That's oh, it. you, you want to keep the pimples it alone, Doctor Pimple Popper? Spread the plague. <laughs> Worst of all, though, is that while the Black Death is considered to have lasted about four years, the second pandemic, as it was called, lasted for centuries. What? After the initial wave that killed tens of millions, the Black Death came back every 10 years or so to the point where the plague was just a normal recurring part of life that could still kill a quarter of a city well into the 19th century. And even then, it was just replaced by cholera, which is a bacteria that causes you to shit yourself to death. At least you're having fun. It's like Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> it is. It just comes back every 10 years, 20 Again. years, 30 years. Again and mm -hmm. again and again, because it's not a virus, it's a bacteria. It, oh. it, it can travel in different means. It can do different shit, and it's also very fast-acting, which is also what's really interesting about the plague, is the fact that it has massive spikes, because what it does, it kills you so fast, depending on what type and what version of plague that you get, it kills you so fast that you don't even know you have it. Oh, you feel fucking shitty one day, yeah. you can die within the day of, of the symptoms kicking in. Like you don't know what's just sitting inside of your body. So 
you're really just all of a sudden you have the plague, then everybody else you know has the plague, and then everybody's fucking dead 72 hours later. Jesus. There was one person who told a story that said that they went to an inn, everybody was fine, uh, and then when they woke up the next morning, everybody inside was dead but them. It's like the movie 28 Days Later, but but real? But real, and it happened. <laughs> oh my God. But that's also what's fortunate about how fast it murders you is the fact that it has nowhere to live. So then the plague burns itself out really fast, but it just takes using a lot of humans as kindling. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of obese. It's, a, it's an mm-hmm. overeater in some ways, <laughs> yes. the bacteria. Yeah. But before we get into the whys, wheres, and hows of the Black Plague, let's acknowledge our sources for this four-part series. Our main source for this series is The Great Mortality by John Kelly, which is absolutely in my top three favorite history books, alongside The Indifferent Stars Above by Daniel James Brown, mm. which we used for our Donner Party series, mm-hmm. and Timothy Egan's harrowing history of the Dust Bowl, The Worst Hard Time. And I can give the testament to that book. The Great Mortality is absolutely fantastic because I think I'm like a lot of our listeners where I knew about the Black Death from like A&E history documentary right. style where, or like as a footnote in uh, high school history. We're going to be doing some high school history today just Whoa. so you know. It's going to be <laughs> just, you're going to have to absorb it. It's a part of it. All right. I'm uh, going gonna, gonna to sneak a little whiskey in here. I'm going to put a little chewing tobacco. Oh, I feel just like I'm in high school. How do I reach these keys? <laughs> um, but I... Uh, I was really astounded, especially upon reading The Great Mortality, just how intense this whole thing was and what yeah. and just the, the, the level of panic and fear and, and what was happening to humanity as a whole, like the trauma. Oh. That the, we experienced in that decade will it changed everything. It changed the, the whole fabric of society. I'd also give big ups to the great courses on Amazon I watched on uh, I had 24 hours of fucking plague. Okay. <laughs> I'm in it, Bobby. Uh, it sounds I'm like in it. you are in it, my friend. Let's get into it. But in addition to that book, we've also read a ton of articles and watched a slew of documentaries. And for color, we've chosen The Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England by Ian Mortimer, which is both delightful and horrifying in its own way. It's so good. It's yeah. such a worthy part of your library. I was flipping through it and they said that people had to wait in line to get hanged. Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, this is, that's the worst part about getting hung is like waiting in line. Just be like, can, you, can I get an easy pass? Can I, just, can I skip the line? Can you just hang me already? I am done with this. Now, as far as to what the killing machine that actually caused the Black Death is... And I say is because it's still around. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. People we just die got out of... I can't emotionally handle that idea. <laughs> I, mean, people I can't out. handle that thought the, in my mind right now. Seriously, don't worry. The only way black the Black Death would make a comeback is if society completely and totally collapsed. Yeah, which will only take a giant solar flare. Yeah. All we need is which we're due for. We're due for a big solar flare, which is true. Uh, and talk about existential threats. Of yeah. all the existential threats in the world, they just... It just hangs out. The plague just waits to wake up. I do not like this Richard Ramirez bacteria. (laughs) Well, the culprit is a bacterium called Yersinia pestis, which is a different sort of organism than the viruses and parasites that we mostly deal with today. Thankfully, the plague can now be treated with antibiotics, even though it still has a mortality rate of 10% with treatment. That's like the, it's like Mike Tyson. He's fat, but he's still dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even let him hear you say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez. But back in the Middle Ages, nothing was as bad as the plague outside of maybe leprosy. 
Concerning the different ways that plague can kill a person, there are actually three varieties, each deadlier than the last. The first is probably the most well-known, and the one we'll be focusing on for this series, the bubonic plague. Oh! <laughs> you do say bubonic, it does sound ghost-centric. Yeah, it sounds... sounds oh, like yeah, the, the boobonic. Oh. Yeah, no, I always think boobabonic, and then it's like, oh my god, did tits start this? Um, honestly, wow. I'm here all day. They grow next to the tits. They They're grow the next to the tits? neighbors. Oh my god, titties shouldn't have neighbors. <laughs> Unless it's me. <laughs> You're not a neighbor. You're an intruder. <laughs> well, after the bubonic plague enters a person's bloodstream through methods we'll discuss later, the bacterium begins to build up in the lymph nodes where it multiplies, resulting in the onset of flu-like symptoms within two to six days of infection. Eventually, those infected lymph nodes will hemorrhage and die, often becoming necrotic while the victim is still alive. So you begin to rot. All of these really focus on the on the fact that you begin to rot while you're breathing. Can you imagine the odor just walking down the streets during this time? I'll get into the odor here in a second. After the flu sets in, the body will begin to show egg-shaped bumps called buboes in the general (laughs) region where the virus entered the body, as well as near the groin. In fact, the word bubonic comes from the Greek word for groin. Yeah, oh. essentially it's groin plague. Noits nutsack like. <laughs> oh mama. Okay. Now these bubos are extremely painful and can become black with infection. And one plague doctor in the 17th century actually survived his infection by lancing and cutting away his own bubos <gasps> one by one as they popped up by himself oh for God. 6 weeks straight what those bubos become filled with is liquid plague like your blood becomes like like this alien yes and so when you pop it if you already have it it's fine but just the slick black mucus and pus that's inside of those things if it touches your skin much like ebola you got it buddy dang Mm -hmm. all right Well, people like this plague doctor who survived often came away from the experience with deformations, like a permanent crook if the bubo was in the neck, or a limp if the infection attacked the thigh. And if you were deformed coming out of it, you were fucking lucky, because that (laughs) meant you survived. I do think it was really fun in the Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England. They were like, if you're in the 13th century, in the 14th century, just know for a fact that if just living your life, if you're not an aristocrat that has been sitting on pillows away from everything for forever, even then you still have horse riding accidents, training accidents. You walk crooked in medieval <laughs> England. You don't have whole limbs. You have got broken feet. You got twisted oh, backs. Everybody's hi, how you doing? Hi, hi, hi. Everywhere they go. It is nothing but hunchbacks. Well, maybe they're very wise and they're, of course, they're great at ringing bells. They're so dumber always... than they've ever been. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, famously, these bubos are said to be the inspiration for a nursery rhyme that I assume children are still singing today. Ring around the rosy. Now it's all Jojo Siwa. Yeah. <laughs> you probably you probably can't even say ring around rosy anymore. Yeah, it's cancel <laughs> culture. Yeah, you can't even say ring around. What's it? Yeah, it was rosy. But this, are you saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, these guys, the boys are really going there. <laughs> cancel culture. They're going there. Finally, someone's saying it. I'm saying it. I'm going there. 
Well, the rosy is the inflamed bubo. The pocket full of posies is the supposed preventative measure that didn't work. The ashes are the ashu of plague sneezing. And the all fall down is, of course, everybody dying. However, while this legend has been spread around since the 1800s, most folklorists believe that this assertion is a bit of balderdash and falderall. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly since the rhyme itself wasn't recorded until centuries after the last big plague, which is like 1600. The debunk alarm is going to go off several times during this series because we're going to do a little bit of debunking, but we are going to do some rebunking. Mm-hmm. And okay. the, we're going to do a fair amount of you really didn't know how fucking awful it was. Debunking, you no longer have to live with your brother. You both got your own rooms. Rebunking, you went to college. You have a roommate. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Extended adolescence. I've heard adolescence is going right, right up to 45 now. <laughs> I, I really hope so. <laughs> so following the appearance of bubos, purple splotches would begin to appear on the chest, back, or neck of the victim, which was usually a telltale sign that the victim was, in fact, going to die from the plague no matter what was done. Hey, Doc, tell me, do you think I'm gonna live? I do not. (laughs) Can you just fucking end it, then? Can you just fucking do it? Legally, I cannot. <laughs> well, I think back in the day, you think medieval doctors can't put you out of misery. I hope they can. It sounds like everyone needed to just kind of maybe off with your own head. Yeah. Well, in the Middle Ages, when the purple splotches showed up, that was usually the point in which you would be abandoned to die alone while the rest of your household fled. And that didn't matter if the victim was an elderly parent, a sibling, a spouse, or even one's own child. Once it's once you're dead, it's like okay, fuck it, you're dying alone. I'm not getting this. Yeah, wow. it was such a it was such a common occurrence because nobody wants to die of the plague. I mean, you really don't. If you and you're and if you're watching it in front of you, I imagine you especially don't. Yeah, it's a hell of a time for a germ chaser, though. Oh, just a bunch of people licking welts. <laughs> there was some of that. We'll cover that in the next couple episodes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So someone got off on it. Everyone, there's all. Everyone always gets off on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the victim would at this point both look and smell as if they were about to die Ooh, because yeah. they would be surrounded by an overpowering stench that combined sweat, spittle, bad breath, anal leakage, <laughs> excrement, and quite possibly. Blood vomit. If you're lucky. Oh my god. (laughs) The smell would also be accompanied by the extremities, such as the toes, fingers, lips, and the tip of the nose, turning black and falling off, which is, you know, the black death. And once the body turned gangrenous, death was inevitable. Yeah, because then the infection's literally coming from your own limbs. Oh my god. But this is kind of a combo of the two different types of plague. Well, this is a combo of two of the types of plague, right? Because you have the bubonic, which is the, you can get the boils and shit. But then I believe it's called the the semiotic. The semiotic plague, which is that you start to liquefy. Where oh, your body, no. your the membranes and your organs break down, very similar to Ebola, and that's where the uh, black and red patterns come on your body, is that it's literally the blood from inside of your arteries and veins working its way through your muscles out to the surface, where you just slowly become applesauce. Yeah. I haven't said this in a while. <laughs> I haven't said this in quite a while, but gout, get yeah. out! <laughs> Finally. Oh, Jesus, this is horrifying. <laughs> Things just, are going to change in 2022. Just cut to the one guy jerking off profusely as you slowly die because he's the <laughs> ultimate germ chaser. <laughs> 
Now, as horrifying as this sounds, the bubonic plague is actually the best kind of plague to get because it has the highest rate of survivability. It only kills about 60% of those infected when it's left untreated. You could go to the doctor in medieval times. What, covered were in there bubos. doctors? There were doctors. Okay. Yeah. They, um, a lot of times were technically also wizards. <laughs> <laughs> but if you walk into a quote-unquote doctor's office in medieval times covered in bubos, and you can go like, tell me, how am I looking, doc? They can look at you and be like, Looking pretty good. <laughs> because you only have a 60% chance of dying. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, exactly. doctors around that time like would have looked at you and said, like, well, it all depends. Was your infection come upon you when Taurus was in Leo's sign? Was Saturn coming into Sagittarius's sign? Then, yes, you have a chance. Honestly, Doc, I've got to tell you, I've shat out my lung this morning. <laughs> and that can happen, I guess. Uh, but also, with the, you know, you just rolled in, but they probably wouldn't even see you because at that point the doctor would be running screaming from you yes yeah. interesting mm -hmm. the next deadliest form of the plague pneumonic plague is airborne and infects the lungs causing the victim to spit up blood and spray plague into the air this one kills the victim within days and has a mortality rate of 95 percent i'm like getting hives you know yeah. what i mean this, this <laughs> whole the... series is like i sit sometimes and i read all of the information about the actual virus or the, the actual bacteria and i sweat like i'm gripping the book the the book the edges of the hmm. book are wet yeah it goes seems... right past me oh wow well wow. obviously all of our ancestors survived yeah yeah i guess <laughs> i don't know but the worst plague by far is the septicemic plague. Uh -oh. Thankfully uncommon due to how fast it kills its victims, septicemic plague sends a rush of toxic plague bacilli through the bloodstream, killing the infected in just 15 hours with a 100% mortality rate. You right. become a walking, thinking pile of plague. Yeah. Like you just oh. become, you just turn inside out and yeah. it just killed you too fast to be effective. Yeah. The plague has very controversial opinions, very controversial <laughs> opinions yes. on what's going on. <laughs> wow. So that's, I guess I want that one just yeah. to get it over with as quick as possible. They all said that the, uh, the pneumonic plague was the best version to get. Just get it done with fast. You're just out. You're in and out. You mm. barely even know. You can die within the day. This, I don't think anybody wants a septicemic plague because mm -mm. it's not good. Even the, yeah. the, 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 if it's a short time, but I imagine you really feel every second. Mm. Yeah, I imagine your body just lights on fire with yeah. fever. Like It's just probably the most painful. It feels like burning to death slowly, I would the imagine. The whole time you're just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? And they didn't even have the John Wayne Gacy doc to watch on Peacock. They just had to lay there staring at God knows what. But bubonic plague was the thing. You also become this, you, this a non-person. You become a walking vision of death. So no mm -hmm. one wants to be around you. Even if you do live, you're like, please just go to use your <laughs> And everyone's like, God, they just run from you. Because I was thinking about how lepers, I was talking about, you know how they identified lepers back oh. in the day? They put a sack on you and you carry a bell. <laughs> and if you go, that is the truth. So they, so people don't have to see you. And then you ring a bell to let people know that you're coming so they can go inside. Isn't yeah. that nice and demeaning? I'm so happy they figured it all out.
I mean, with leprosy, like it is it, you, you do fall apart. Like you just fucking fall apart. And this is a time when they didn't understand fucking anything about anything. Not oh, really. You say fall apart. I say you get little skin chips. The worst apparently is when your nose finally melts into your skull and then you get, this is true. The river of melted nose gunk slides through your skull hole into your throat. And then it makes you hoarse because <laughs> <laughs> that the the lick your liquid face hurts your throat. Wow. There's no bits in this episode. No, it doesn't <laughs> sound this, like this it. Is, this is just pure horror. It sounds like you could make for a great AM radio voice, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cancel culture. Yeah, we go there. But concerning the Black Death, with which this series is all about, there are some scientists who don't believe that the Great Mortality was a bubonic plague at all, Whoa. but was rather a result of a highly infectious outbreak of anthrax that came back again and again and again. Ian Curtis, how fucking dare you, bro? How <laughs> dare you? Wow. See, anthrax is an incredibly hardy bacterium, so tough that anthrax spores have been discovered in soil that had covered an animal killed by an anthrax infection 70 years previous. What's more is that the symptoms of anthrax are close to what was described in historical accounts of the Black Plague, i.e. flu-like symptoms followed by severe pneumonia and respiratory collapse. I thought the symptoms of anthrax were thrashing around and banging your head. <laughs> yeah, dude, drinking some tequila. You are fucking redeemed. Similarly, if the victim is infected by anthrax after consuming infected anthrax meat, they will vomit blood. And the bubo-like boils and lesions that often show up in bodies of anthrax-infected individuals look very similar to those in Black Plague victims. The hitch here, though, is that anthrax is too deadly, with an untreated fatality rate of 85%. But it's so hardy. The spores are so mm. hardy, which mm. is why we use them for biological weapons, because no. you could make it into a fine powder. Do you remember when they did that? I do yeah. remember. Yep, yeah. They're still doing it. Yeah. yeah. You haven't seen it in a bit, though. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we haven't had an anthrax scare in probably, what, 15 years? Yeah, not in a while. I guess we're due for one. It was an early aughts <laughs> thing. I don't want one. Not here, though. No, no. However, some people do believe that this hypothesis, the anthrax hypothesis, explains why the plague flared up once a decade or so for centuries after the Black Death's initial march, because people in the Middle Ages didn't necessarily dispose of infected corpses properly, animal or human. So you fucking, you handle an infected corpse of a fucking anthrax, an animal that died of anthrax, boom, you got anthrax again, and all of a sudden it's fucking everywhere. Damn. Tiny little spores. Old takes little spores to get you sick. Little yeah. tiny little bits of it. Uh, unlike, um, which is also like the septicemic version of the plague, which is you only need a little bit of it to get it inside of you. Mm -hmm. But also they have the idea that there might have been some form of airborne tuberculosis. There might have been another form of some hemorrhagic fever that mm -hmm. they think might be similar to a more dangerous airborne version of AIDS. What sins did these people <laughs> commit? Why, why, why did this happen to them? Feudalism. Uh. <laughs> this happened to end feudalism, which is what we're going to get to. Okay. The idea that, because it also, it could have been all of this shit at once. Mm -hmm. Jesus. It really could have been. Like I said, the worst century to be alive. Again, somebody enjoyed it. <laughs> but the wildest theory out there is that the plague actually came from 
outer space. Yeah, Whoa! bro. You talk Wait, about what? How? Okay, hold on a second. This is how listen. did you sneak yeah. UFOs into this? this you it's fucking. Not, it, it's not UFOs. It's not UFOs, and okay. it was actually put forth by a respected academic, a Cambridge astrophysicist named Fred Hoyle, who wrote a book in 1979 called "Diseases from, from Space." space. <laughs> um, diseases I from Space. So much. It sounds like gang stalker talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it sounds like what you think that Tom Hanks is doing to you from his bunker in Australia, because he's never left Australia. You know that, right? When he got quote unquote COVID nineteen, he's uh -huh. been in Australia ever since. And now yeah. what we're seeing is this fucking clone who's his brother. They actually made a clone of him <laughs> really? from his brother's DNA, but they adjusted wow. the DNA so it would look just like him. So DNA, the DNA wise, they're not wow. exactly identical. But actually, if why you look at they, them, they're identical. Why would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, see, Hoyle, along with co-author Nalan Wickramasinghe, believed that while Darwin's theory of evolution was correct up to a point, some external elements were necessary to seed our planet with life. This is known as the panspermia hypothesis. Ooh. Panspermia is also called when you just come on anybody. No kidding. Yeah. Well. But just as comets and asteroids could carry the seed of life, so too could they carry the seed of death. And according to Hoyt and Wick Ramasing, the reason why there were multiple plague outbreaks throughout human history is because space kept lobbing disease bombs down to the earth. Like yeah, water balloons? Dude, <laughs> plague virus, plague bacteria was inside of meteorites that fell to earth. They cracked open. Some guy, some hungry medieval guy walked up to it and he's been like... Oh, there's some good soup. And then he yeah. eats it all. He's got plague. He gives it to somebody else. You never know. It goes down to the ocean. The fish got plague. All of a sudden, fish, Everyone's the people eat the fish, plague. which is also technically a, a, that was a myth that they believed in is that they were eating sick fish and that's how they were really? getting the plague. M mercury, mm -hmm. you can get ill uh, ill from fish, though. Maybe from mercury but, poisoning, but that's a, but that's a new thing. That's but, modern times oh, problem. Oh, fish didn't carry the plague, though. No, no. Oh, no okay. absolutely not. The thing is that they were actually very, what they were doing was actually killing more of themselves because the plague was coming from the animals, but they were stopped. They were not eating fish would have actually would have been better for them if they would have switched to an all fish diet. A bunch of pescatarians would have been oh. much better for the Middle Ages. Absolutely. I was going to say that. <laughs> were you? I was. I was going to say, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'm a pescatarian. That's Natalie. I don't need the meat. Natalie always says that she prefaces it before any meal. She's just like, I know I'm a pain in the ass, but they call me a pescatarian. So mm -hmm. she doesn't identify as one, but she can also exteriorize it. So someone else calls her a pescatarian. Isn't that hmm. nice? But even if the plague came from space, it still had to be transmitted from person to person once it crashed down to Earth. And we now come to the actual organism responsible for spreading the disease. Xenocyla cheopis. Cheopis? Cheopis. I don't know. Latin. Anyway, it's called the rodent flea. Yes. Now, we'll get to all of the which rodent caused what plague argument here in a second. I'm fucking, I'm already upset. I'm upset because it sounds <laughs> like if, if all of this comes from the rodents, they just needed a few beagles and they would have snuffed it all out and then the, the plague would have been gone. But most historians agree that the plague jumped from black rats, ratus ratus, over to humans through something as innocuous as sharing a flea. Big Wait, if true. The Latin term for rat is just ratus ratus. They got ratus, lazy. Ratus. It was one of the first animals that they found. <laughs> okay. 
See, rat fleas don't usually drink human blood, but if the plague kills off an entire rat community, the flea has no choice but to hop over to the next thing on the menu. And since rats tend to thrive wherever humans live, the next meal was more often than not a person. They come to do that sucky sucky. I don't like it. Get out of your plague. As far as how the plague was able to spread so far, the fleas didn't jump to humans immediately. See, a flea can go six weeks without feeding, meaning that by the time it said, fuck it, let's have some human, it could very likely be hopping out of a grain or cloth shipment that had traveled hundreds of miles from its origin point. And, they, and fleas also don't have a sense of time, so they don't get bored. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank God they're very good at the base, though. Mm. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Travis, cut that out. If you thank you. No, that was fun. Uh, please, if you could just miss a request from you're you gonna to cut my flea joke out. Thank you very much. Very good at the base, red hot chili peppers. Just snip that out. Big Lebowski. It's very easy to lift out. Okay, but even when the flea tries to feed after six weeks, it can't. See, in an uninfected flea, the blood flows from the bite directly into into the flea's stomach, making the flea fat and happy. <laughs> Just get all but, fat and sassy. Yes. The soup woman. I love it. Just her. like her, but if she was fucking chock full of blood. Oh, I Which see. Which she is. I guess she is, yeah. But if a flea is infected with Yersinia pestis, the bacilli will build up in the foregut and block the blood in its throat. I can see how many times Marcus has done this speech on a date. Yeah. Just to stress test it. The glee in his eyes. And since the flea has no higher thought function, it just keeps biting again and again and again because it's constantly hungry. And since the infected blood isn't being digested, the flea turns into a mobile hypodermic needle that vomits plague blood into every single bite it makes so you said you're from texas or <laughs> wow that's really amazing rancher family you must really have a lot of trauma i'm guessing you're malongo no. are you near no. malongo texas <laughs> oh yeah i'm about two miles from malongo, malongo. Up to the north but if you take i-45 i'll go six clicks to the south you can get Tapranka. you can get glunkle oh i I'm love glunkles I married the one that said, tell me more. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? But two to six days after a person was bit, the buboes began to appear on the body in the general area of the infection point. And death usually followed about a week and a half later. But while humanity has spent eight centuries. Eight centuries. <laughs> so much time. Eight centuries. Spent eight centuries placing every bit of blame for the Black Death on Rattus Rattus and the fleas it carries with them everywhere, new theories have recently been put forth that suggest an entirely different culprit. I know what this is like. You put one screen door in a submarine and every Polish person forever is maligned. It was an experiment. They thought it would be fun to maybe put a submarine outside of the water for once. The Polish are fun. The Polish are fun. But eight centuries of propaganda have led to a story that I am I'm incensed. I have a feeling the Polish might be blamed for this. See, the black rat is an easy scapegoat because while I know they make great pets, we're going to get so many fucking emails from rat people. People love rats. People love rats. <laughs> They're disgusting creatures out in the wild. Sure. Regularly feeding on both our garbage and our dead. Mm -hmm. In other but words. That's just, that's just called influencers. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. In other words, the black rat just makes sense when it comes to plague carriers. <sighs> this is your just makes sense <laughs> version of the truth. <laughs> but... 
Recent research has shown that it is very possible mm -hmm. that the real carriers were not the disgusting creatures that we still have to fight back on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Or lovely creatures some of you keep as pets for some reason. Well, yes. they're very smart in their own right, but that's also the, what makes them so dangerous. Yes. Instead, the real culprit might be amongst the cutest of rodents. Mm -hmm. Instead of rats, some now believe that the real culprit is the adorable chubby-cheeked gerbil. Yeah, bro! What? This is about the gerbil fucking mafia, dude. No they way the gerbils didn't do this. Gerbils are used in butt play, and they're just there to watch have fun. They tried to ruin Richard Gere's career, and they caused the plague. No it's way. the gerbil's fault. I refuse to allow it. I'm not even going to allow They've been the blind after. <laughs> gerbils are way too cute for that. Look at uh, it, the gerbil's eyes. Too black. Like a door's eyes. <laughs> like a door's eyes. Well, Ben, listen to the argument. Okay. After looking at tree rings, the scientists involved in this relatively new study surmised that the worst plague years corresponded with wet springs followed by warm summers in Asia, which are terrible for the breeding of black rats, but are ideal for the Asian gerbil. Yeah, bro. <sighs> Accordingly, each time the gerbil population exploded, the excess gerbils hitched rides with merchants to faraway lands covered oh. in the same rodent fleas that might have hitched rides on rats. Or they might have been gerbil fleas, but they're just as culpable. They're just as fucking culpable. <laughs> they could be, but you can just see the little gerbil like, where are we going? <laughs> hey, hey, man, where are we going? We're going to cause thousands of years of death. <laughs> Little gerbil, you're gonna cause a bunch of death. Yeah, it's gonna be fucking metal. Everybody's gonna die, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My name's Mr. Chim Chim. Mr. Chim Chim the gerbil. <laughs> this scientists say is the actual reason why the disease came in waves again and again throughout the centuries. Because logic dictates that just so long as there were rats in Europe, the plague would have been a constant problem. But since the plague ebb and flowed, it all corresponded with explosions in gerbil populations. Therefore, the gerbils may be responsible for carrying the Black Plague to Europe. All this time, though, we've been looking at rats, right? Saying rats are the cause. The one problem that they've been having with the rat hypothesis is that they're also looking for the giant rat die-off that would have happened to have led the fleas to jump to humans. And they haven't really found evidence of basically what people are saying because there were piles and piles and piles and piles of dead humans why were there not before that piles and piles and piles of dead rats hmm. mm -hmm. well there there they have some hypotheses about sure. why the black like that the, there were certain populations that might have been more resistant to the plague that where they got sick but didn't actually die um but it does also beg the question of why did the fleas jump from the rats to the humans if there were still rats alive that's the that is the big thing that is the big question because I don't, you know what my fucking big question is where were the fucking hamsters during all of this Mm. Oh, the hamsters are relaxing. They're running around on wheels. Hamsters didn't want to get involved. So hamsters <laughs> decided to be neutral. And guess what? Then they didn't. We know what they didn't do. You know what they ended up doing? Key Controlling all the money. The like in Switzerland. Oh That's exactly God. what they did. The, the thieves in Switzerland. Do not make your allegories. Hamsters went on to do Kia commercials. <laughs> they did. They danced. Whatever. But that's not to say rats can't carry the plague. America's first outbreak of the plague, because we've actually had a few, hmm. that occurred in San Francisco about 100 years ago. And that was caused by fleas riding the rat. And 122 <laughs> people died as a result. Yeah, that's sad. But guess what, man? Who says the rats can't? It's not what it's about. 
It's about that gerbils were in there too. And yeah, they, sure. They, okay, so it's a, it's a, it would t- all hands on deck. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village one more- to kill an entire generation of human beings. <laughs> yeah, man, because there's actually one more rodent to blame. And some people assert that this is rodent zero. The original carrier of the plague could be the Tarbagan Marmot. Damn Tarbagan Marmots! <laughs> Tarba- Tarbagan Marmots? Yeah, the Tarbagan Marmot. They're native to the Eurasian grasslands, and they were a favorite source of leather for marauding Mongols. Why you know, do I feel like I have to take my hat off that I'm not even wearing and start stomping on it? <laughs> and just screaming at the heavens for a bad crop this year. Well, Kissel, you know how much I love my Tabargan Marmot hat yeah, I, that I have I and my Tabargan Marmot shoes. You've been going Tabargan Marmot crazy. I am. And I've actually been like, when's the Tabargan Marmot fad going to end with you? Hashtag Tabargan Marmot fever. I am lit about it. Tarbagan Marmot, not Tabargan. Tarbagan. Tabagan. Anyway. Yersinia pestis actually lives on in this marmot today. And the strain that the marmot carries is the most virulent in the world. So much so that marmots are still found with bloody froth around their nose and mouth owing to a pneumonic plague infection. Or heroin overdose, man. (laughs) (laughs) Get an Narcan in there, man. Yeah, get Narcan if you can. And it's from these same Eurasian grasslands where the marmot still frolics that the strain of Yersinia pestis that caused the Black Death originated centuries ago. Now, from what we can surmise, Yersinia pestis is a fairly new bacteria. It evolved somewhere between 1,500 and 20,000 years ago. And while it has all the infection agents necessary to kill everyone on Earth... It fails to do so because the bacilli cluster near the infection site instead of spreading to the organs. Mm. Whoa. Well, I don't... What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if the uh, plague would spread to, like, say, the liver or the spleen, then the plague could be spread to every single bit of the body. The plague would become like... The the bubonic plague would become like the uh, septicemic plague. But because it clusters in the lymph nodes, it doesn't spread to every single bit of the body, and the the fatality rate is 60% instead of 100%. Oh, so that's why they swell, because literally they're getting filled with disease. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, clusters. It is really sad what happened to the domino spokesperson, uh, Noid. He is now Lymphnoid. He's back, man. He has cancer. (laughs) Yeah, it's Lymphnoid. Lymphnoid's a sad Noid. Yeah, it is. Imagine that ad campaign, though, when he dies of cancer. You're getting the sympathy points. (laughs) One last wish is that you'd get a meat lover's this Friday. Thank you, Lymphnoid. The other weakness of the plague is that it doesn't last long on surfaces and it requires a temperature between 50 and 80 degrees and humidity above 60% if it is expected to thrive. Yersinia pestis, however, is still quite skilled at confusing the immune system. And by the time the body begins to fight back, by the time it figures out what the fuck is going on, the pathogen has already done its job and it's either do or die. Interestingly, If Yersinia pestis was better at its job, humans would not be the only animals gone from the Earth. Over 200 major species would be extinct, and the Earth would consist mostly of bugs, bears, skunks, and a fair amount of a smattering of other animals. Exactly what the gerbil mafia wants. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun little world. I mean, we didn't need the bubonic plague to wipe out a huge amount of species. We did that. We did that. With cars. We have a lot of stuff. 
With a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. Great extinction. Right in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, that's our job. Extincting <laughs> monkeys. I'm, I think We're it's the top of the food chain. I think it's a great ex- extinction because it sucks because it stinks so bad. <laughs> I'm not letting a little thing called peppers run my life. These little gerbils, well, I put them in tubes. They put it in the tubes that I make with the substances that destroy this planet. This planet which we own because none of us have to watch Pocahontas long enough to, um, to absorb it. Sure. Peppers the gerbils. I do like that name for a gerbil, Peppers. That's fun. It's wonderful. No, the plague is still killing animals today here in America. In Wyoming in 2006, four cougars were found to have died from the bubonic plague. It killed four middle-aged, beautiful women. (laughs) I was just about to say. I knew you were ahead of ticket. I was just about to say something about the idea of how many apple teenies will not go drunk. (laughs) Live from your grave. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors big and small some people are presidents some people are soldiers some people have to eat mayonnaise especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch but I guess I should share that in therapy because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down and what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. 
Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, as far as plague outbreaks go, there have actually been three throughout history. The Black Death was actually the second, and the third, simply called the Third Plague Pandemic, killed 12 million people in India and China starting in 1855. Ben, guess when it ended? Oh, 1973. <laughs> you would be that wrong. 1960. Oh, my God. Also, did you notice how they just got lazier with the names? Yeah. Well, There's like, this is part three, all right? I don't fucking know. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do in a part three? They're tired. <laughs> Give it to The plague comes again? All right, we're <laughs> going to adopt a plague. Now, part three, we're adopting a plague. Now, each time a plague pandemic hits, it causes gigantic upheavals in social systems. And we'll certainly be getting into how the Black Death helped create modern Western society later on in the series. But to show you just how consequential plagues can be, the first plague, known as the Plague of Justinian, had effects that shaped the world that we live in today, even though it occurred in the 6th century AD. I think that what is most, what is really interesting about medieval times is that they're the, they have the same brain as we do. Yeah. So they are, right. it is us. Right, but of course. It, it's then. So it is really interesting to see how, like, they are just as affected by what happens to them like we are. And they have the same weird thought patterns as we do. And they have the same, like, idiosyncrasies. And they, they mm-hmm. think about shit just like we do, except they had different contexts. Can you imagine yeah. if, some, if someone from this time, 600 A.D., teleported to now and they went by a place called medieval times that is now just a place where people go to have lunch <laughs> and dinner and then they're just like you ah, this is what you fucking, you're just laughing now you're having fun with this do you have any idea of the trauma that this caused me every medieval person is 10 times stronger than any current person though because they're yeah. also trained to use the sword by the time they're seven years old they all got they all died from the plague and they're shit and blood what but are you talking about they live a big 40 years <laughs> <laughs> now, the plague of Justinian spread through Europe and the Near East, but the hardest hit areas were modern day Iran and the Byzantine capital of Constantinople, which was ruled by the Roman Emperor for whom the plague is named as a part of the Eastern Roman Empire after the Great Roman Empire crumbled. Now, from what historians can surmise, Yersinia pestis arrived in Roman Egypt in 541, and the infected rats hitched rides on grain ships sailing throughout the Eastern Roman Empire and beyond. Some gerbils back there giving them back massages and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, by the account of historian Procopius... The plague hit Constantinople hard. He claimed that 10,000 people were dying every day. And while that may be an exaggeration, historians still think that it could have been as high as 5,000 a day. It's just that the death is so public and so visible, like people running from their homes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
death was so ever-present in Constantinople during the plague of Justinian that people wore name badges for identification in case they dropped dead on the street. And the air was ripe with the smell of rot from so many dead bodies stacked like cordwood on the streets. That's why if I ever go out to nature, I just write an HZ on my butt in Sharpie. (laughs) (laughs) That's very nice. You plan on dying face down? I hope. (laughs) The plague of Justinian also made appearances in Italy and France. And in France, so many people died that they ran out of coffins, which was sort of a moot point anyway, because there weren't enough people left to carry those coffins. Hear me out, guys. One big fucking coffin. They did it called a trench. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, gonna have a, to work. It's called a plague pit. Yeah, there were. Oh. They definitely hit upon that idea eventually. Okay, good idea. Now records are spent. Yeah, great idea, Ben. Yeah, good what job. a great idea. Good work. <laughs> Thinking of Trent sounds like something that he inherited from his oh, grandfather. Leave my well-fashioned <laughs> grandfather alone. <laughs> Now, records are spotty, but we do know that by the year 700, Europe's population dropped from 50 to 70 million to about 25 million. And Rome, which had been home to almost half a million people in its heyday, dropped to a population of 20,000 by the year of 800. It's not just the plague. I mean, it's the fall of Rome and all that. But even so, it's fucking insane. The plague didn't help Rome stay together. This is, again, we're going to see this. It's really interesting because people talk about the plague as if it had its own mind, like it was doing things on purpose because Mm -hmm. the way it would pop up and the after effects of what would happen after it struck, it always hinges humankind to this whole new thing. It helped bring down the Roman Empire. Yeah. But that wasn't even the first plague to cripple Rome. Really, the big one that brought down Rome was the Plague of Galen, which was a smallpox epidemic carried by Roman soldiers throughout the Roman Empire. Because fucking, they found that like armies were among the biggest plague carriers that there were. Some believe that this was the plague that actually killed Marcus Aurelius. We don't know for sure what killed him, but some think it was smallpox. The plague I saw of Ga- the movie, he didn't die. Yeah, no, he just kisses a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's quite handsome, man, yes. The plague of Galen weakened Rome and set in motion the conditions that caused the great Roman Empire to fall. But more importantly, it set the stage for the spreading of a new religion, Christianity, which was just getting started. Then, hundreds of years after the plague of Galen, the Justinian plague boosted Christianity even further into the realm of major religion status. Because when the plague of Justinian was framed as punishment for sinful behavior, mm. more people converted to Christianity. Yeah, they, there, they, they flipped it into PR. Interesting. Yeah, and, and from there, Christianity began to turn from a religion of love to a religion of fear at least amongst the higher-ups. And it's that motivation of fear that we still have to deal with on a daily basis the world over. It's so strange to me, the idea that you would turn back to the religion that told you this is all our fault. When I want to go to a religion that says, this is how we fix it, which is why my only religion that I ever really truly ascribe to is the Plumbers Union. I agree with that. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the Plumbers Union. The Plumbers Union, the only people out there, they're keeping the shit flowing. Sounds Mm. like they should have started worshiping the rat, trying to get on their good side. (laughs) Honestly, bribe a rat. Stomp a gerbil. Stomp a gerbil. Honestly, if you have gerbils in your home right now, I want you to put them on punishment. Do not put your gerbil on punishment. Time out. At least time out. What the gerbil would never even it wouldn't understand a timeout. It knows what it wants to do to us. (sighs) 
Well, the idea was that Christianity would fix the plague, is that they were saying that, you know, the plague has come because all of you are sinful and because there are still so, so many of you who do not believe in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So therefore, if you do convert, then the plague will end. And at this point, everyone's so afraid of dying. Everyone's so afraid of what's happening around them. Everyone's just so fucking tired of what's going on. They say, fuck it, I'll try anything. And so they convert to Christianity. Well, and then the plague naturally dies out. It burns out. So you yeah. have a bunch of people who joined Christianity and they're like, we did it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, it's just because the plague killed everybody it touched. And now you you have figured out to stay away from it. And it naturally goes away. Yeah. So back in the day, in order to avoid the plague, they they went to Christianity. And in modern times, in order to uh, in order to avoid covid, they watched uh, one American news. So isn't that interesting how you just flip your brain? You just flip and your then brain. And all of a sudden it's all different. Yes. Yeah. It's always been that way, though. I know. It's, yeah, no, that's what's fascinating. Sixth century AD. Human brain does not change. It does not all. change. Ever. It does not change. Now, the plague of Justinian died out after about five years, and it didn't really return to Europe for another six centuries. Now, I might be talking out of my ass here, but it seems like the plague eased up because trade and travel slowed down for a while. The Roman Empire isn't really doing the best business, so therefore you don't have as much trade and you don't have so much plague. Interesting. But, and you know Marcus was talking out of his ass there because you could hear the gurgle of blood yeah. as he tried to speak. <laughs> oh my he's, God. He's a leaky asshole. Does your butt <laughs> have the plague? Is it a, <gasps> do you have a butt plague? Butt guys, plague. Oh, guys, I've been taking probiotics. Holy shit, it changed my life. I've been shitting every single day, healthy, brown, and smooth. Wow. It's been wonderful. Probiotics has changed everything. I have heard so much about these damn probiotics since I've been in California. I'm moving back to North Dakota. Antibiotics, <laughs> which is weird. It's weird how it is the anti -abiotic. I know. <laughs> but all of that changed with Genghis Khan and the Golden Horde. Apologies to Dan Carlin. Let's give him a Genghis. <laughs> of all of the Genghis. pronunciations we will change, we should probably start saying Genghis just because Dan Carlin is what we stole our show from. So we now need to give him fealty. <laughs> I like Genghis. Uh, yeah. No problem with Genghis. Geng but I just can't say like Genghis Grill. Genghis Grill, that Genghis Grill is different. Yeah, it's a restaurant? Okay. Yeah, it's a horrible restaurant. It's a horrible, it's like a, a kind of, it's one of those restaurants that you go to where they, you, you pick a bowl and you make a bowl and they cook it and it's fucking horrible, but nah. you still eat it because it's kind of fun. You might as well go to the Bill Cosby Rib Shack. You know what I mean? <laughs> Genghis Khan is an, an international murderer yeah, and rapist. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now we're just going to have meat. <laughs> yeah, I don't, no need to name it after him, to be honest. You know, fuck it. I'm going to go, I'm going to follow Dan's lead. I'm going with Genghis. Got to. I like Genghis. Yeah. Now, now, Genghis Khan was one of the most infamous people in history, an emperor who ruled the largest contiguous empire in history through a brutal campaign of hyperviolence that yeah. lasted well beyond his death in the year 1227. <laughs> it was really, it was bad for people. It was really yeah. very bad, <laughs> but I love playing them in Civ. That's yeah. also what's fun about this whole episode. So I've just been playing Civilization throughout this whole thing. It's just so fun to reenact the plague, but mm -hmm. you're the plague. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, anyone who I, I, I understand times are hard for uh, people living is difficult, but mm -hmm. it is better now because yeah. you get to play it on your and your little butt. You get to play. Yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get to beat back uh, Genghis Khan's grandson with Ghosts of Tsushima. I'm a cool. samurai and I'm Ooh. pushing the Mongols into the sea. Cool. That's what I'm doing. That's Go cool. Ghost is a fantastic game. If you haven't played it yet, highly recommend. Fantastic yeah. games. You've been so talking about it for months, months and months. Yeah. 
But one of the consequences of Genghis Khan's reign was that in the 13th century, his people, the Mongols, revived an old trading route from China to the Mediterranean Sea called the Silk Road. And with a unified Asia under the Mongols, the literal path for Yersinia Pestis' march to Europe was established. The entry point for the Black Death into Europe was a port city named Kaffa, now called Feodosia, which is located in Crimea on the coast of the Black Sea. Today, Feodosia is an ethnically Russian resort city, but back in 1347, Kaffa was a Genoan colony home to Europe's biggest slave market. Is it, um, hmm. what's the name of the Star Wars market planet? Is it Tandoori? Uh, the Star Wars market Tandoori? No, that's that's an in, that's a Tatooine. I mean, that's the desert planet. Are you thinking of Coruscant? No, that's the city planet. Plump plumpkins? Are you thinking of Tatooine, the desert planet where you know Mos Eisley is? Kaffa, in my mind, if I want to describe Kaffa, it's the market planet from Star Wars. Oh, you're talking about Mos Eisley, the market, the market city. Yeah. Yes. Blorbians. Yes. Blorbians. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because Kaffa was this really cool spot. It was very, it was very international, very bleak, also at the same time. But it was this like hub of thought, this hub of trade. Mm. Genoa is an interesting. Uh, uh, Genoa is a very interesting civilization to also follow because of their belief, the idea of we wanted to create this like this very beautiful trade civilization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Kaffa was in a centralized position in the Eurasian continent. And when the early bursts of globalization came between 1250 and 1350 as a result of Mongol expansion, Kaffa was perfectly situated to exploit the new trade opportunities. However, what Europe was largely unaware of at the time is that China, in the early 14th century, was experiencing a mini-apocalypse. According to what we know, China was beset by cycles of torrential rain and deadly droughts, mm. all while swarms of locusts, dense enough to turn day into night, devoured their crops. Oh. A According to legend, earthquakes then swallowed up entire cities and even mountains. And in the 1330s, the Black Death crept its way out of a region of the Gobi Desert called the Mongolian Plateau, and people began dying in the millions. Apparently, though, this was all just an allegory because the Emperor of China had just canceled their favorite show, Jung Sheldon. Oh my, that's, that's uh, absolutely wonderful. Absolutely fantastic insight, Henry. Thank you. <laughs> the Black Death also could have come from modern Kyrgyzstan, where accounts of the plague going back to 1340 placed the origin point in a Central Asian market town called Talas, which is near several areas where the plague occurs naturally. But no matter where it came from, by the time the plague and the environmental upheavals were done with China, tens of millions were dead within just 15 years. And this is before the Black Death hit Europe. Damn. But word hadn't spread because also yeah. at the time you're in a massive war with the Mongols. The Mongols are, are ripping shit up. Right. So they're pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now concerning how unsure we are about the origins, a an historian named Monica Green just published a paper last year that places the origin of the Black Death a hundred years earlier than what we've thought for hundreds of years. She traced marmots in the Mongolian grassland to an outbreak in Baghdad in the year 1258. You damned the Gargan marmots! The Gargan marmots? <laughs> what in the heck? 
That means that the Black Death may have spent decades creeping from town to town, settlement to settlement, until it finally took hold in almost every corner of Europe, Asia, and much of the Middle East. Oh my God, put some lamb's blood on your door or something. You gotta do something <laughs> to stop this thing. Lamb's blood is what gives you food poisoning. What? Live from your grave. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and i was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue nile bling she's got on her right now get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 or more with code last podcast at blue nile.com that's 50 dollars off with code last podcast at blue nile.com blue nile.com no matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right? I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right? My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. And, oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode is brought to you by Philo. 
Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Now, by 1346, the news of the plague had reached the aforementioned port city of Kaffa, and it's actually from an Arab scholar named Ibn al-Wardi that we have the history that we do of the early years of the Black Death. In the same year that Ibn al-Wardi gave his accounts in Kaffa, Russians also began writing that the plague had arrived in port towns on the western shores of the Caspian Sea, and it had already begun to decimate the Mongol capital of Sarai. But as far as how the plague came to Kaffa, and therefore the rest of Europe, it was literally flung over the walls by a dying army. This is absolutely out of control. Like the, the way that this started, I mean, I just one of those like I, it's a factoid you read about on like Trivial Pursuit type yeah. games. <laughs> but the to see it come about, like to actually walk it through, especially in the Great Mortality, is harrowing. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, since the 14th century was incredibly violent, one of the biggest spreaders of the Black Death was war, and it was war that brought the plague to Kaffa. There's something about it that sounds so frightening about the idea of, because they didn't know what was happening. They just knew people were getting sick. They were like, mm-hmm. something, this fever is happening. They, they had no clue what was coming because it started happening a little bit in Kaffa, and then all of a sudden it just explodes. I don't know, man, you mentioned the Caspian Sea, and now I can't stop thinking of Latka from Taxi, Andy Coffin's character, yeah. where he's like, I'm from, La- I'm, from a- I'm from an island off the Caspian Sea. Can you imagine him sunk. screaming with lungs full of fucking blood, and he's dying, <laughs> and, and yeah. there's, this, there's a Dominican monk next to him just, like, peppering him, just going, soothe, soothe, <laughs> and, and then he fucking dies? It's how he died, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how he right. died. Oh, he he fucking tried to do all those weird things where they take chicken guts out of him. He's like, I think I'm good to go back to acting. It's like, I don't know, dude. See, as we said, the Black Death comes from fleas hopping from rodents to humans. And rodents love war because it produces food from both ends. From the grain and meat fed to the living armies and the garbage they produce to the bodies rotting on the battlefield. So, when the Golden Horde came to Kaffa to take the city, led by a grandson of Genghis Khan, they brought rats. Rats brought the plague, and the Black Death therefore infected the Golden Horde. Wow. I know there's a bu- it was a bunch of gerbils <laughs> having their way with village women. I don't think <laughs> I that's I know what's true. going on with these gerbils. You don't know anything about the gerbil. <laughs> now, the people of Kaffa settled into a siege when the Golden Horde showed up. But when the Mongols began dying outside the city walls in stunning numbers, the survivors began to place the corpses into catapults to lob them into the city. Yeah, man. Honestly, if you do that, though, can I be alive just for the beginning? No! <laughs> a lot of them are. That'd be kind of fun. That's a fun way to die. I mean, you're going to die anyway. Might as well fly. Well, they're melting, rotting, 
these these <laughs> awful corpses and because uh. also the Kaffa's armies, they are one thing that they did. They created these giant walls because Kaffa had been raided several times. It's a trade city. So people are always trying to come and take all of the various from different countries, all the sure. treasures and shit that are there waiting to be picked up and or, or waiting to be sent out. And so they have these massive walls. So they were all stuck inside and they knew because most uh, assaults of the city, it takes years. You, it yeah. takes one or two years to sometimes uh, to, to, to conquer to a penetrate? city. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> to penetrate the city in a warlike fashion nothing to do with your penis <laughs> but they're sitting there and like literally one day the arrows just stop and they're like the mongols aren't fighting us anymore we win we win like because they thought literally like a ghost army came like in the, the, the spoiler lord of the rings when all the army shows yeah, up at yeah, the very yeah. end right but then they look and they're like some mongols look really sick what's that coming over the wall oh my god that's a fucking Dude, <laughs> biological weapon. It, man. When this shit, like, because when these bodies are rotting, they are oh. fucking. I mean, they are absolutely. I mean, they are falling apart. So when a body hits after a catapult, uh, fucking throws it in, it mm. explodes. Yeah, bro. So it's like two weeks. <laughs> it's like two weeks after Halloween. The people who still have their pumpkins out on their front stoop. Yeah. It's like yes. that. Yeah, oh, but it builds with plague sputum. Oh. Yes. Now, the Horde, they weren't really thinking about Plague Sputum. They didn't know about Plague Sputum. They believed that the sheer stench of the corpses would be enough to kill everyone inside the city walls. Because it was pretty common at the time to think that smells were fatal. Logically, this kind of works. They never shared a studio with Ben Kissel. Wow. <laughs> I actually don't stink. <laughs> I have no odor. You're talking about your Not your outside. Your outside doesn't stink at all. Oh, it's your inside. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because I don't have my probiotic... <laughs> I think it's worse. Told. I honestly don't think it needs any help. But it's called the miasma. Yeah. It's the scent that can uh, make you uh, infected with disease. Mm -hmm. It's not that far away from the truth. I mean, they didn't really understand airborne diseases or germs. Logically, this kind of works because foul smelling things do tend to kill you. <laughs> Again, because you know, uh, yeah, that's why they smell bad. Our bodies tell us do not eat that. I, I was just thinking of the bit that Kevin Barnett told about how he farted in that young girl's face. And for a moment, her entire world was just his ass. Because <laughs> uh, there is poo poo particles in there. He would always mention that with farts. Yeah. I think they're kind of funny. But like, that's not funny. It's yeah, disgusting. Shit. And there's poo poo particles in there. It's like, Kevin, you're too smart for this world. She could have gotten pink eye. <laughs> but also, they used to think miasma. They thought that if you smelled fatty foods, you'd get fat. Mm hmm. Some people also believe that you could catch the plague just by looking at someone with the plague. Okay. They didn't really, they were just guessing. There was a lot of guesswork sure. involved here. Yeah. But as we now know, it's not the sight or the smell that kills. Rather, the corpses, when they exploded, they poisoned the water supply. Oh. And the fleas riding those corpses quickly hopped to living victims. Now, John Kelly's The Great Mortality has an amazing rundown of what was probably going down behind the walls in Kaffa during the plague siege. And to give homage to the Master of History podcasts, I'd like to read an excerpt from The Great Mortality in the style of Dan Carlin. Ooh. Well, you're going to have to wait six months to release it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Oh, you love. got him good. It's with love. Oh, oh the oh way he God. works so hard and does all that research so when he does release it, it's not a bunch of shit. I wait with bated breath. Okay. Oh, I, love his, I love his show. If I could do it like it does, like he does it instead of the weekly fucking grind and <laughs> one actually like <day>, Marcus, <laughs> one day. <laughs> okay. 
As the death toll mounted, the streets would have filled with feral animals feeding on human remains, drunken soldiers looting and raping, old women dragging corpses through rubble, and burning buildings spewing jets of flame and smoke into the Crimean sky. There would have been swarms of rodents with staggering gaits and a strange bloody froth around their snouts, piles of bodies snacked like cordwood in public squares, and in every eye, a look of wild panic or dull resignation. The scenes in the harbor, the only means of escape in besieged Kaffa, would have been especially horrific. Surging crowds and sword-wielding guards, children wailing for lost or dead parents, shouting and cursing, everyone pushing towards teeming ships, and beyond the melee, on the departing galleys, prayerful passengers hugging one another under great white sheets of unfurling sail, ignorant that below deck, in dark, sultry holds, hundreds of plague-bearing rats were scratching themselves and sniffing at the cool sea air. Mr. Carlin, it is a delight to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is a long-winded way of saying it was a stinky shithole, though, huh? <laughs> it just sounded like a nightmare. That's most of history. I love it. And so, infected people fleeing the plague and the Mongols and Kaffa boarded ships to the rest of Europe. And in just four short years, the resulting great mortality would kill between 75 and 200 million people. Oh, my God. And that story is the uh, first known recorded instance of bio-warfare. Because, yeah, right. they, again, they did not know the full extent of what the plague would do. But I imagine if they did, maybe the Mongols would have done it anyway. And they figured maybe we'll run clean up. But when yeah. it comes down to it, they did kick off the entire plague. But they said the main thing, too, was sea, uh, seafaring is what really helped the plague go. Because yeah. it did go across the uh, land. My, my friend, you're talking about globalization. That's globalization <laughs> is what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, indeed, it was. Gerbils yeah. are the new globalists. <laughs> <laughs> no, disease does spread when certain areas of the world go visit other areas of the world. Like, you know, the plague spread from China to Europe because of trade. And then... Smallpox spread from Europe to the Americas because of exploration, killing off that entire population. Mm. Like, it mm. just happens again and again throughout history. You know, it's weird. Is I feel like we could learn something, but... <laughs> nah, <laughs> I'm not going to. No. I don't quite <laughs> no. Now, we don't really know how the people on these ships survived the 1,600-mile sea journey to Sicily, which is where the Black Death truly began to take its toll on Europe. But John Kelly believes that it might have just been... Luck. Recent research shows that a certain genetic quirk gives some people protection against the Black Plague, just as some people have genetics that protect them from HIV. And it's quite possible that the people who survived this sea journey were recipients of such a lucky gene. There's some people who believe that it is the gene. The gene that does protect you, because there are people that are HIV uh, immune, and they mm -hmm. come from a lot of this Western European population. And so they think that these people that live through whoever this is, because it also could be whatever the hemorrhagic fever that they were talking about that could have been a part of what the plague really was. Mm -hmm. uh, that they, if they survived, then later on they would go to survive the other hemorrhagic plague that we barely survived in the 90s. Okay. But even though some did survive until they reached Sicily, the journey was still hellish. Again, John Kelly painted a picture of men turning on each other as the sickness began to show itself, resulting in daily executions, murders, and mutinies. 
men became too sick to kill, then too sick to work. Once a sailor began showing a neck boobo, he was strapped to the helm to keep him away from others. And when another showed a bloody cough, he was lashed to the mast. What is the... Well, it just seems like you're adding more suffering to the situation. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. They literally had a guy who's racked with fucking fever, and then they have to tie him to the mast, and he's just up there going like, you think maybe you could get me some soup yeah, well, or something? <laughs> and then they're like... Fuck you, Siggy! <laughs> I mean, to be honest, he was the first car ornament. That's kind of nice. When somebody trying to rip him off at night. Remember, the plague takes anywhere between two and six days to set in. So the guys that got lashed to the mast or tied to benches or whatever, those are the guys that got sick after two days. The guys who got sick after six days were left behind to wander the decks with pants stained from where their anuses had started to bleed and followed, and they were constantly followed by the rancid smell of pus oozing from the plague boobos that had popped when the fucking ship pitched and they accidentally racked themselves against a big chest and it just blah, went blah, 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 blah. Yeah. okay Barry Barry just tell me the truth is the shit showing on my ass does it show <laughs> is, it throwing, is it showing through my pants I just um, it smells like I just shat myself but I can't <laughs> I don't know can I be honest with you yeah I think you might be entirely covered in shit <laughs> that's what I was afraid of yeah yeah, yeah. it's on your skin yeah, yeah that explains it <laughs> Those that died on deck were left to roll around as the waves pitched the boat from side to side. And when the ships finally arrived in Sicily, the people at the dock were met with mangled dead bodies that had burst upon a rail or the mast, showering the ship with black blood and rotting intestines. That's where you just need one, maybe a Polish man, short and stout person to take scrub, his scrub, leg scrub, 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 scrub. and just push the ship back to sea. Say, oh, thank you for coming. Bye. And then just get it out of there. Well, because they ran, they thought that they were just running from the attack. So they showed up like all, like basically being like, oh, we hope everything's okay because they sent word ahead of time, essentially the Mongols are attacking us. Um, we're we're leaving. Yeah. At the same time, they've left with all of the sickness, and they said the people that emerged from these boats. It reminds me of the Donner Party episode mm, where yeah. they went to go to find the children, and they saw them all come out like ghouls. It was like that. <laughs> oh. The hold of the ship opens, and you just have a bunch of people ravaged with plague, just being like, "Help me, help me!" And <laughs> so it's like in fucking RoboCop when that guy gets doused with the acid. It's like yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> One of the best deaths ever. However, the Black Death would not have been able to annihilate Europe as thoroughly as it did had Europe not been in a particularly vulnerable state. Because, I, as I can't stress enough, the 14th century was the worst century to be alive. Gerbils are to blame! <laughs> I mean, really, the only people that are having a good time were probably the people living in the Americas. Because they Just were fucking, compl completely yeah, cut off from all of this. They all got right. all the weed, bro. No, yeah. <laughs> they're sitting there, they're just fucking doing peace pipe, explaining to each other how they can't own rocks. Uh. <laughs> having a great time. I mean, of course, their worst plague centuries are coming a couple of hundred years after that, but they still miss the Black Plague. Oh, we'll get them. We need to listen to the Native American. We are we are guests in this country. No, it's not. Now, for our purposes here, we're going to give the gerbils a pass, Henry, right. and focus on the black rat. Rattus rattus as the rattus, carrier rattus. of the black plague. Because I assume that they have the same attributes, kind of. Yeah. Well, while the gerbil may have brought it, 
the rats certainly did their job of spreading it. Now, Rattus Rattus feeds on human garbage and refuse, and the fleas that ride those rats are attracted to dirty people, and pretty much everyone in medieval Europe was absolutely filthy all the time, <laughs> by modern standards at least. See, early Christians considered bathing to be a vice. because they, fear, mm-hmm. they feared that <laughs> sitting naked in a tub of warm water might cause impure thoughts to arise, and they would therefore not be able to resist the temptation to give the old friar a stroke. They were folks, scared. folks, listen to me here. I'm Alex Jones, Circuit 400. Uh, water's making you gay. Water's, <laughs> water's making your kids gay. Water's making the frogs gay. Are you gay? Am I gay? I wish someone would love me. Well, you know, I guess bubbles, they do look like titties and balls. (laughs) You could say that. Wow. I'm starting to think this Christianity thing is just a little bit of bullshit. (laughs) But it's weird because the upper classes would bathe and they would show it as a, because again. Once a month. Yes, but that was big. Once a month. How are you? Can you just imagine trying to have a fun time? I'm just going to say it, muff diving. Of course. <laughs> imagine what that is like. Uh, medieval England, they talked about oh. how the, oftentimes you'd go to be bathed. but mm-hmm. they, So it was weird because prostitution was also legal. So you could do certain things. As long as you were paying for it, it was cool. And if you went to a location where it was okay to do it, it was cool. It was still technically a public shame. They didn't want you touching yourself, but yeah. somebody else could jerk you off. Well, yeah. They were right about the prostitution being legal. But then you also, the key to that is being clean. Yeah. Mm. Well, in London, it was actually only legal on one street that they called Cock Lane. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cock Lane. Mm. I walked down that street backwards hoping to get lucky. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, the boner fear eased up a bit by the Middle Ages, but the Christian world was still scandalized when word got around that King Edward III of England had bathed three times in three months. That was his tan suit. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> you know, this is the I king. Can... Oh, the king. Oh, I'm taking oh, baths. Three Mr. Times three months. <laughs> Mr. Loves his soap. Wow. <laughs> it was also soap at the time was made out of fucking pure salt. So yeah. if you if you soaked Jesus. yourself too much, your skin would fall off. Like that's why all the brag women from back in the day, they always say gimpy limbs and mm-hmm. they had pink rotten fingers. <laughs> Furthermore, most medieval Europeans didn't change their clothes more than once a year, which of course attracted more fleas, which brought more plague. But one of the biggest causes of plague was the European city itself. Now, medieval European cities were horror shows from the moment you walked into the city gates, particularly the English ones. If you were to stroll into York, for example, you'd see the blackened, rotting heads of criminals and traitors displayed on poles next to arms and legs riddled with maggots and flies hanging by ropes. Oh, Jesus. Well, this seems like a great place for a comedy club. (laughs) They're going to need to laugh. They're going to need to laugh. (laughs) Once you were inside the city walls, you'd be trudging through what they called evil-smelling mud everywhere, (laughs) all the time. Unless, of course, you were in the walled-off religious enclosures or the part of the city that held the royal castle, which those that royal part and the clergy part, that took up half of the city together. Logs of human shit. 
oh. filled every crevice of the medieval world. I'm actually going to defend the mud here because it's just like, I'm not evil. I'm just stinky. I'm <laughs> just dirt. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's not necessarily evil mud per se. Because a gerbil fucking threw dirt under the fucking bus too. <laughs> <laughs> the other half of the city was where everyone outside of the king and the clergy lived. And most of that was taken up by the wealthier citizens. What was left to the majority of the population were overcrowded, thinly walled, highly permeable homes that were easy targets for the many plague infested rats already on their way. Mm. But concerning that evil smelling mud that I mentioned earlier, it was evil smelling because nine times out of ten, there was a fair amount of shit mixed in. Because every city had a literal river of feces flowing through it. And a river runs through it. It does. (laughs) In Kent, this river of shit was actually named Shitbrook. <laughs> Shitbrook. I do like that Like these terms are still around today. It, it, this is recent history in many ways. Sort yeah. of. I mean, kind I, of recent. I could sort of see our ancestors, like specifically Kissel and I, like be the guys that are, their jobs are to mash the shit with poles, which was a job. Mash the well, shit. We'll, no, get, you know, we'll get into that in a second. The, we'll be talking about the people. That was an actual job with a title. I'm actually going to say this. Um, all three of us would just do turd races where you take a shit and then you, you put a little you put a little flag on it. You're like, that's Kissel shit. That's Henry shit. That's Marcus shit. Start shit. And then see who wins. Which shit wins. It would be. You got to make your own fun. You have to make your own fun. It's like you're in solitary confinement, but it's global. We will eventually get to, I believe, episode three. We will cover the most famous comedian of the time. Have mm-hmm. you read anything about Cola? Yeah, we'll yeah, get into yeah. it. The I, funniest man during the plague. I can't, I can't wait. wait. I can't wait <laughs> to hear wait. those bits. If he copies, if he fucking talks about gas pumps not working. <laughs> oh. No, we're about to talk about shit a lot. But that's because dealing with the logistics of shit was a large part of every medieval city dweller's life. Ideally, a person in Kent could shit in the toilets on the city bridge while they were out to work for the day. You actually tried to time your shit around the time you were on the bridge so you could shit in the toilets that then plop down into the river. That makes sense to me. I time my shits about when I'm close to home. Yeah, yeah, naturally. Yeah. But most of the time, people shat in chamber pots in their house. And once the pot was full, it would be dumped out onto the street in shallow open gutters that fed to a central dumping point, which was usually a major river like the Thames in London or the Seine in Paris. In London, you actually had people whose job it was to keep the river of shit flowing. (laughs) The people up top were called the Beatles. There's some shit over there. You're going to have to get that hustling there. All right. What do you do? You you breathe. You you breathe on it. You blow on the shit to get it moving. What the hell do you do? I am an executive. My job is to I legislate. I delegate. Very nice. Great leadership. No, the ones at the bottom of the hierarchy of feces were the rakers. Yeah, I certainly like doing my job because it's simple. It All I've got to do is get the shit and I'll beat off the fish because I say, that ain't food fish. That's shit. That's <laughs> the, <laughs> the fish don't know. And then we're eating all the fish. No, they eat all the shit. It's shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're eating shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rakers actual job was to walk around the city and dislodge stubborn turds from the gutters. <laughs> Someone had to do it. And if a dead body happened to end up in Shitbrook, oh, this it is was oh, this is a tragedy. If a dead how'd, body, you, how'd you end up being a loggy gaga? 
<laughs> if a dead body was to end up in Shitbrook, it was also the raker's job to dispose of the shit-covered corpse by, again, tossing it into the river. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, man, it's in the river. The river, it just it goes, goes and goes and goes. It goes away forever. There was so much shit everywhere all the time that sanitation legislation had to be passed where legally people had to shout look out below three times before they tossed their cold buckets of piss and shit directly into the street oh god what a horrible fucking time to be alive Wait, wouldn't it be kind of fun god. to toss the shit yeah, once. That would be no, once. yeah dude you're gonna get some on your fingers of though of course yeah i already do I don't. Because all the hairs. They need to add this to the Medieval Times exhibit. Like, I'm sick of these actors fake fighting. There should be one big shit dump in one the middle. One big shit dump in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, the Renaissance Fair shit pile? Yeah, like, where you go and happen. visit the shit pile. Yeah, now with the new term, the, uh, what was it, the hashtag photo dump? That's all I think now. It's just rivers of shit. It was shit was actually such a part of life that French, Italian and English cities named entire streets after human waste. In Paris, you had Rue Merde, Rue Merdelet, Rue Merdosson, Rue des Merdons and Rue Merdier. And that's all just variations on the French word for shit. Mill. That's incredible. That's poetry. Beautiful language. It is a beautiful language. That actually sounded quite romantic. Paris even had a piss street. They called it Rue du Pipi. They called it the oh. fucking Pipi Street. Oh, that's fun. I mean, hey, man, after a good night at the bars, every street's a piss street. Can we do yeah. a live album from there? Can we just go and do like live from Pipi Street and we walk across Pipi Street like it's Abbey Road? And England was no better. They had a shit Brook Street. They had Pissing Alley. It was all there. But by accounts. At least you know where to go. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I mean, why they did it. Like, it's where to go and where not to go. Absolutely. Don't piss on the fucking Alamo, man. Go piss on <laughs> Piss Street. But by accounts, perhaps the worst place to live in the 14th century, and the place where my ancestors likely lived and died during this time period, <laughs> was London. Oh. Now, medieval scholars are always quick to point out that London in the Middle Ages was not as disgusting as people like us make it out to be. You guys always joke a lot, but it's not that bad. Yeah, it's just because you got a whole fucking avenue that you shit in and everybody's dying. and It's just this entire slave class that we hurt to death. It's horrible. And while I'm sure it wasn't all shit rivers and rat dungeons, it was still by any modern measure revolting and cruel. Like concerning the cruelty, let's just talk a little bit about the humor of my the med- of medieval times. It's All right. my favorite. Let's see. According to the Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England, the height of humor in the 14th century was sarcasm. Mm. But oh. sarcasm was reserved for the upper classes. Ugh. For most people, the funniest thing in the world was hurting other people or watching other people get hurt. It still works. It still works. <laughs> For example, groups of children would lay nooses on the street. And when some absent-minded passerby forgot about street nooses for just a second and stepped in the draw, the children would pull and hoist the man up by his ankles, bashing his head on the way up. <laughs> That's funny. We got you, Pinota man. That is we funny, though. We got you. Yeah, little, the little shitty rascals. The boys would then demand a ransom from this man. And all while the entire neighborhood refused to help and, in fact, 
pointed and laughed at the poor man's misfortune as their entertainment for the day. That's Twitter. It makes sense. <laughs> I um, Also, my favorite game I saw was that they chose the dunce for a day. It's a guy. <sighs> they have this one game that they used to play where one guy's chosen and he's allowed to kiss anybody's wife, right? <laughs> so he's allowed to. <laughs> this, this is true. Real. This, this is, is real. true. Yeah. He'd go and he could kiss anybody's wife and all day long he'd go... Kiss, 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 kiss. And at the end of the day, the fun part was everybody whose wife he's kissed was allowed to beat the living fuck out of him. <laughs> this is real. Where they would do a group beating where he's like, oh, it's funny, guy. It's funny you're doing this. And they're all laughing and enjoying it. Yeah. There was also another thing that, thing that they would do for fun to like raise money for the parish where they would just kidnap people with burlap sacks. Like on Mondays, men would kidnap all the women by just tossing them into burlap sacks and carrying them away, away. And then on Tuesdays, all the women would get together and kidnap all the men in burlap sacks and oh, carry them away. It's like a Sadie Hawkins dance. Why do I feel like medieval times, we were just more us? You know what I mean? Like, we were more authentically human than we are now. Like, now we're lying to each other. You're onto something. Yeah, maybe. But the funniest concept in medieval England to the vast majority of people, and this was, you know, upper classes and lower classes, and this shows that things don't don't fucking change much. The funniest thing to them was the idea of a young woman cuckolding her elderly husband with a handsome young man. That story made people (laughs) laugh every time. So sad. (laughs) I guess. Now, as far as the further disgusting parts of medieval London went, Londoners were beset every day with the stench of rotting vegetables, dead fish, and animal entrails. When the streets weren't running with shit, they were running with literal blood from the many street slaughterhouses that dotted London. As a result, rats were absolutely everywhere in London, along with roaming packs of wild pigs that refused to go away no matter how many times Londoners tried exterminating them. It's like American tourists. Come on, everybody. Oh, get out of here. Got them again. Got myself. Did it to me. You did it to yourself, yeah. But it's not like any of those Londoners were actually eating any of the meat that the slaughterhouses were producing. Most peasants lived on boiled cabbage and bread, while Mm. all the meat went to the upper classes. And we now come to the three estates. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, remember, this this is sixth period. You're back in (laughs) 11th grade. I I think I maybe took this in 11th grade. I'm PTSD, dude. Marcus, Mm. you gotta teach Kissel. About right. feudalism. Right. This is really important. You're not the real teacher. You're a substitute. Oh, you're no. You got to break through. <laughs> you you got to charm him, Marcus. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. See, medieval society had three sections that, okay. that the people on top claimed were created by God. Oh. The three estates were those who fight, which was the aristocracy, those who pray, which was the clergy, and those who work, which was almost everyone else. And guess how the percentages broke down? I I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Basically, those who fight protected those who work from men in other countries and cities who were those people's ones who fight. And the clergy made sure that everyone went to heaven. Oh, on our behalf. Isn't that nice? They got to go to school. I love it. The one nice thing about the erosion of the middle class is that there is no buffer from the poor to the wealthy. Uh, So uh, we'll look out. Absolutely. And they they would love to bring back feudal times. Because what we did this time during this plague, our current plague, they decided to take the worker class and name them essential. And they gave them this like fun little, we we did the pots and pans and we applauded for them while they worked themselves to death. Yeah. And then they put a lot of people out of work and uh, made them feel worthless. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Well, at the top of those who fight, you've got the king, and below him are the lords, dukes, earls, and barons who carry out the king's orders. The clergy is pretty similar, although the papacy at this point in history is a fucking mess that we'll get into later. Among those who work, the peasants, there's also a hierarchy, with the people on the absolute bottom being the countrymen. Those are the people who are born into sheer servitude. Mm. Above them, you've got the serfs, who are forced to work their lord's land three days a week so they can obtain the privilege to pay rent on a piece of land. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the opportunity and, wow. to pay rent. And they could only leave if the lord gave them permission. They're also called villains. Mm. Villains. villains. The, the worker were called villains. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fascinating. That is actually fascinating. Yeah, but it's spelled differently. It's spelled uh, E-I-N-S. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't count. Then it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, most peasants were serfs, and they weren't technically slaves because they could own property and were considered free men in the eyes of the law. But the Black Death was about to come and wipe this whole system off the board in one of the few examples of the plague changing the world for the better. Okay. But outside of the three estate systems, you had, actually, we would not be in the three estates. We would be outside of it because that's where you had merchants, doctors, lawyers, and entertainers. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> yes, includes... Yeah, that includes... Well, we're certainly ju- not fucking doctors or lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes jugglers, acrobats, and jesters. This was oh. the first time there was anything sort of like a meritocracy, even though there wasn't, because it was still about money. It was really mm. about if you made enough money, especially as a merchant, or somebody that was an artist, like a famous artist that had a really powerful patron, like somebody that would pay for you no matter what, so you get to just show up and be a fun guy, right? True. A real question. How? So you're a great juggler. You got all the balls up in the air. How do they pay you? Is this a, a patron chooses you and says, essentially, you're my fucking juggler. I'm going to pay you to do juggling because I like the way you juggle. And the way would, you juggle represents me. That would be like Gold. a lord. Or a duke. Maybe, or a merchant. This is the merchant class. This is the first time it came about. So we started to see the feudalist system start to kind of change a little bit Mm. because it changed again by money. Because once you had enough money, you could essentially look, dress, and act like you were aristocracy without the uh, family name. Sure. Mm -hmm. But even though this exploitative system was in place for the majority of Europe, things were still looking up before the 14th century from a purely biological point of view. Sometime in the year 800, Europe entered what was called the Little Optimum, which was a period of minor global warming that caused agriculture to thrive, and it resulted in a burst of technical innovation that changed the world. We've let, Some, Marcus, we've let Marcus go into his nerdiest rant that he's about to do at the yeah. very end here, because this is Marcus explaining and exploring the world of medieval inventions. <laughs> I, I am actually fascinated. This is you're doing a good job, young Ben Kissel. You. I'm on my ADD medication, perhaps, but I am focused. <laughs> I am focusing. He put down fascin- his water bottle full of gin just so that he could listen. <laughs> this is fascinating stuff. This is how the smallest things can change the entire scope of human history. Okay. First, someone invented the horse collar, which redistributed weight away from the animal's windpipe and it increased horsepower by a factor of four. Wow. Another person invented the horseshoe, which improved the horse's endurance someone else and this is the fucking most fascinating one someone else invented a new plow which is which allows this is fascinating it is i am starting to get a little bit bored (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, the plow, it allowed farmers to till heavier soil. And because they could till so much more soil, they had so much more room to grow food. And because they had so much more room to grow food, people lived longer. You know, women would lose, you know, five babies instead of seven. Oh. You know? and, and so as a result of all that, plus favorable weather, the European population tripled from 25 million to 75 million between the years 1000 and 1250. I knew this also was going to come as soon as I saw the word fucking agrarian in <laughs> oh, every yeah. book because they say agrarian again and again and again, which I still don't particularly understand what it means or what it is, but I assume that all of this is agrarian business. It's, it's very a, much it, agrarian. Yes. It sounds like it. But that increased population also resulted in an explosion of trade. In the year 1000, people hardly traded outside of their small communities. But by 1280, cross-continental land routes connected Europe to faraway lands. And since the population boom came with absolutely no plan on how to deal with all these people, mm. turning places like London from a Roman ghost town into a thriving, disgusting, overcrowded metropolis, nature corrected. It's starting to sound like a gerbil. <laughs> After the Black Death took humanity down a peg or two, it would take parts of Europe 150 years to bring their populations back to pre-plague levels. And it's with the plague itself rampaging through Europe, country by country, that we're going to continue our tale of the Black Death next week, starting with the Great Famine that made it all possible. No one's ever said the words Great Famine I know. so excitedly before. <laughs> What's so great next... about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get through these next two episodes. We're going to... The next two are basically going to be about how many ways a human can scream. <laughs> um, and in watch... how many different places a person can scream. Oh. Scream and die and what happens when they scream and they die. And we're going to see how humans reacted to this plague the same way we as humans reacted to COVID-19, the way we reacted to Ebola. Like the fact that the same kind of... AIDS, the way we reacted to AIDS. Absolutely. Denial, uh, partying, um, family annihilation. Blame it on butt stuff. Straight up. <laughs> and we'll, we will, I can't wait for you to see as much oh. death as we've already seen just as researchers. All mm -hmm. right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Absolutely interesting, fascinating. And uh, another reminder, history repeats itself, but we are, we're not in maybe the greatest timeline didn't see that on my 2021 bingo, but we are living in a nice time. No, we have yeah. antibiotics now. Yeah, which yeah. is great. And apparently yeah. probiotics, which are evidently very needed for the human tummy. Uh, they're wonderful. It's brown, it's smooth, it's oh, big, and it's regular. Shit? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> it's happy. I love it when he describes his shits like they're Dotsons. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we can't wait to see you. We're, we'll see you in Grundy. Oh, my goodness. That was, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, we'll see you in Red Rocks. Red Rocks, because that's what oh. Marcus had before the probiotic. He had that's Red Rocks <laughs> in his asshole. We can't wait to see you in Colorado. It'll be so much fun. So we'll, we're super excited. And uh, yeah, just keep on supporting all the shows here on the LPN Network. Thank you so much for your support. Do we have any? We have we, uh, Henry and I will be traveling a bit around oh. California to go sling some sweet vape weed. I don't know when the 
time is. But on the 24th of this month, we're going to be down doing a meet and greet at Weedon, which yes. I'm very excited for. We're going to be peddling our wares. Speaking um, of the merchant class, we are the, both the juggler and now the merchant as well. I'm very, oh. very excited. Uh, we will announce that time very shortly. Yep. We have, um, I don't know when we're going to announce all of the rest of our dates for 2021. It should be sometime soon. Very soon. Uh, we have anything else? We got a fucking sling. I got. I gotta say, we uh, have released the final episode of our series on the Beastie Boys over at No Dogs in Space. Nice. Six parts to this series. If you've been waiting until now, until the entire series is out uh, to listen through, now is the time. It's out. It's available. We're very proud of the series. We worked our asses off on it. Uh, Carolina did a great job of research on uh, on this whole thing. She learned the history of hip hop for this fucking episode for That's this series, awesome. and it's uh, fucking she, insane how hard she works. She can do the fun thing that we have to do. Every Every, every each and every week where you download a bunch of information and then you delete it yep. and then you also don't remember like important dates of your life or or, <laughs> or memories of like old friends and shit you delete those too it's weird how yeah. that happens yeah. oh and the big thing is to remember no last stream this week we're going yeah. to be out of town we're going to be in red rocks so we're not gonna be able to do the stream yes. we'll be back in two weeks we shall be indeed all right everyone thank you for listening hope you're happy uh healthy out there not you don't have the fucking plague so i guess everything's plague, cool. not surrounded <laughs> by a bunch of rivers of human flowing shit let's just be thankful for what we have today okay everyone hail yourselves i keep my shit in a bowl you're disgusting <laughs> hail satan okay <laughs> i just let it sit don't let it sit oh it's having fun it's on vacation flush the toilet Help how many me. bowls don't even do this how many bowls do i have <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.